Welcome to the Kindred Journey Podcast, the podcast where women share their experiences of stepping into courage when comfort is no longer an option. This is the podcast for connecting in community with women who have been shaped by the liberating to challenging seasons that life endures. I am your host, Leslie. I am a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. I too have experienced these seasons in life, and I want you to know that you are surrounded by a community of courageous, real women here for you. I can't wait to connect, so grab your favorite beverage and join me on this kindred journey. Christina Driscoll is the host of the She's Brave podcast. In my conversation with Christina, we talk about what it is like to live life authentically. She reveals how some unconventional choices in her life led her through seasons of courage, but they ultimately were the right and authentic decisions for her. If we live too much in the past, we get depressed. If we live too much in the future, we get anxious. And if we aren't living authentically, we are never going to be happy. Join me in this episode and how to find courage to live life more authentically with Christina Driscoll. Good morning, Christina. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Leslie? I'm doing well. It's Friday, so I can't complain, and I'm watching it snow outside, so I have my workout cut out for me here in a little bit. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, thank you for joining us today. I do appreciate it, and I appreciate your time. Maybe uh, I, I know a little bit about you. We were in a program together, and I've I've had the opportunity to listen to your podcast, but maybe you could share with the listeners a little bit of an introduction about yourself. Sure. Yeah. I'm the host of the She's Brave podcast with Christina Driscoll. I launched on my late husband's birthday last year, January 2nd, 2023. And here we are in January again of 2024. I skyrocketed to the top two and a half percent globally within six wow. months of launching. And I'm currently in the top 2% globally and found myself um, teaching my first podcasting course this fall to 70 people and now launching my second podcast course titled how to get into the top two and a half percent globally in six months, because if I can do it, you can do it too. Wow, that's amazing. I that was one thing I didn't know about you. So thank well, you there for you sharing go. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh well, thank you. Um maybe uh, you can maybe dive right in or we can share a little bit of your backstory. I uh, want I do want you to know that this is a safe and sacred space uh, for you to share your story. So uh please feel free to speak freely and it is honored and respected here. This I is... love that, Leslie. I've never heard a podcaster say that. Oh. That's <laughs> well, that's really great. This podcast is is made for women by women, and I, I want it to be a safe community for women seeking courage or needing words of encouragement. Um, you know, Absolutely. so this is this is what it's for. And in my first episode, I shared, you know, if you don't like it, then find another podcast to listen to because there are plenty out there. So I, <laughs> I, I, everybody's different. So I just want everybody to be able to express themselves freely and, sh and, and have a platform to share their story. Beautiful. I love it. I love everything about your podcast. I love your title. I love your concept of wanting to explore courage over comfort. I feel like that's really the journey that I've been on big time. I mean, 
I was a financial advisor. Um, I'm, I have made some unconventional choices in my life, but they were the right authentic decisions for me. I married a man that was 24 years older than me. He'd never been married, never had kids. We met hike, hiking on Mount Rainier and we were married six months later. Um, on, uh, we had fertility issues. Four years later, our son was born, who's now just turned 20. But when our son was five, my husband was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And it was a 12-year caregiving journey with my my husband and my son being the primary focus of my life, along with managing investments. And, you know, at the end of all that, <clears throat> life goes on. My husband passed away. Uh, my son graduated from high school. And um, I began dating again. I remarried. And at age 54, found myself feeling, you know, that really unsettled feeling that you get sometimes. And, and you just don't know what it, what is going on with that. And I think the way in our American society, I think the way we deal with it, a lot of us deal with it is we just try to keep ourselves so incredibly busy that we don't have to feel uncomfortable, don't have to feel those feelings. But the thing is, is what what I realized is that the reason why we feel uncomfortable is that we're meant for more. We mm. are meant for more. And I was definitely, um, and, and sometimes the universe and, and or God, whatever you want to call it, will force us to slow down if we won't do it. Because I, I wasn't, I wasn't having it. So what happened was I got married and I got a really bad case of COVID on our honeymoon. And oh, no. I had to, I had to rest for about a month. And during that month, I got very, very uncomfortable. And I just thought, I'm 54, but there's there's a whole new chapter coming up in my life. And in, in our society, I think that we tend to think that, you know, at a certain age and different people say it's 40s, some people say it's 50, some people, you know, but you know, oh, it's too late. It's too late to, mm -hmm. to, to make big changes or do a big pivot. And I'm here to say that is so not true. And I, you know, I didn't know what to do. And, and, and I think a lot of li your listeners out, out there may be thinking this, well, you know, yes, I'm feeling that way. I'm feeling unsettled, but I don't know what to do. Well, my answer is do something, do something like literally anything. It could be attend a meeting at your local chamber of commerce, join a club, you know, get out there, meet some people, uh, take a class online or in person. I ended up just kind of randomly deciding to sign up for a podcast class. And I wasn't even sure if I wanted a podcast, but I thought, um, it, you know, it's going to lead me it'll, it'll start me down a path, you know, and it, it was, it did take a lot of courage. It was very uncomfortable to even sign up for the class. And then when the class started, um, you know, a lot of zoom sessions, I was really quiet and I was really intimidated and, um, I didn't have any courage at all. And I thought I was going to do a podcast on caregiving because I had felt really alone, for a lot of those years caregiving and it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just part of it was my fault actually too. just not, you know, not asking for the help that I needed. But, um, that topic felt really, really heavy to me. 
And mm -hmm. the reason why it felt so heavy was I realized that it was making me live constantly in my, my past. Mm -hmm. And we're not meant to live in the past. And um, if we live too much in the past, we get depressed. And if we live too much in the future, we get anxious. And that's why, you know, it's getting to be more and more common where people really work on trying to live in the now. And, and that's, you know, the healthiest way to live. And so um, I was like, well, now what? Now what now what am I gonna do? Like, I don't this topic doesn't feel right. I thought I was gonna do this topic. And but you know, in my class, um, and a lot of classes, you know, coaching and and podcasting classes have you do the, a, a, some form of this exercise where you reach out to about five of your closest friends and family. And it's and again, it sounds really easy, but it's it's hard and it's scary to call people up and say, I'm starting a podcast. I want you to be really honest with me and tell me what you see in me. Like, what are my greatest strengths? Who do you see? Like, and the same answer, Leslie, kept coming back to me over and over again. Everybody said, you're incredibly brave. You're super resilient. But most of all, what they, they admired the most, all five of them, was they said, you're 100% authentically you. You live life on your own terms. You do what's best for you and your family. Even if it's unconventional, you don't, you just, you live, you know, you're, you're very, very authentic. And it takes courage to be authentic at times. And I think especially in today's world, it, it, it even takes more courage now than, than ever, because with social media, um, we are just constantly told what what should make us happy, right? And so we we will unconsciously take on that message that what is going to make me happy is the big car, the expensive car, the big house, the perfect family, the this, the that, and the list of a bunch of things. And that may or may not be true for us. That 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 may or may not be our our personal happiness equation. And I also think that in for women in particular, um, in doing that exercise and hearing hearing my friends and family admiring me for living authentically, it made me realize that apparently there's a lot of women out there who are not living authentically at all. It's a big, big problem. And I think, Leslie, it goes back to, I'm not even blaming anybody. You go back 10,000 years, 5,000 or 1,000 years, people lived in very small communities. And if if you weren't, you know, um, you, you couldn't really live authentically, right? Because you had to you had to have a group mentality to survive. You know, you had to go with the flow. You had to to get along with people. And, it, you know, if you didn't, you could be kicked out and eaten by a bear in the woods. It was right. literally survival. So I think. And in, and in women, I think it's even more ingrained than men naturally for us to be very accommodating, to be very agreeable. But that also means that we're not really being authentically ourselves. And what I believe is that if we're not living authentically, we're never going to be happy. And I think that our greatest sense of freedom comes from being authentic to ourselves. And so that's how She's Brave was born was me wanting to get more women's voices out in the world, encouraging them to live more authentically, encouraging them to take risks, encouraging them to have the courage to live authentically, whatever that looks like.
Well, thank you, Christina, so much. I appreciate uh, that in a nutshell. And I think you're so right. I think part of our human condition is to belong, right? So we just want right. to stay comfortable, stay, stay with, like you said, if you, if you do something out of line, you'll get kicked out. So I think, and even in today's world and, you know, it used to be keeping up with the Joneses, but now you have to keep up with all of Instagram or Facebook, you know? And so it's, it's, that's broadened as well. So sometimes you can really get lost in the weeds of who am I or what am I, uh, what do I, what makes me me? And I, I, I love the authentic piece because I, I think you're very bold and brave and authentic. So I, um, don't see you as like you said in the zoom calls early on the quiet and kind of reserved and held back when you, like you said, starting, starting something I think, or doing something is such great advice because sometimes when you're in that flood of overwhelm, you just kind of freeze and, where do I start? Where do I even go? What, what, you know, you just get so stuck in the mud of, of doing that. But my, my word for 2024 is authenticity. And I love so, it. <laughs> I love everything that you just shared. And I think it's wonderful. And, and, and as I'm in my mid thirties, I should know well enough now what I want and what I don't want. And that's kind of where that is going versus not that I'm an in, a complete people pleaser, but I feel like I will ask for input or say, what do you want? What do you think? And even though I know the answer already within, but I still ask for that input and then I'll go with that over what is in alignment with my true self. So I think, yeah. um, that's all very beautiful. And you unpacked so many moments of courage through your, through your life in that, in that little introduction. So thank you for that. And I, I love what you said about your greatest sense of freedom is living authentically. And I think that is a feeling that we all would love to have, uh, is, is to feel free. Cause like you said, you, you get on social media or, Oh, I should act this way, or I, sh I should wear this or, you know, and I think that's society in general. And, and, it, and it does, it comes down to our sense of belonging and so when to stand in alignment with yourself versus choosing to belong uh, is, is, I think every age range, every gender, you know, everybody struggles with that. So totally. Uh, and I, I just want to interject one other thing, though, too, yeah, like please do. You, you mentioned, you know, asking other people for their opinions. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, sure. in fact, sure. you know, we are more powerful the more we collaborate podcasting as you're new in it, but you will find it's an, it's, it's, it's a, the most collaborative industry that you will work in. And it is collaborative because everybody wins when everybody collaborates, the more you collaborate, the better you do. And it, it all works together like that. And it's fine to ask people's opinions. Um, I, in fact, I encourage it. I encourage mm -hmm. collaboration, but that also doesn't mean that you have to follow their advice. And and what I have just been finding over this journey, you know, of podcasting is how many people make their decisions based on what they think other people want them to do. And I want to change that. I think I think that's needed in today's world in our society. I think people want more authenticity 
I think people are craving it. I think also the other part of social media that like is, it's a great tool, right? But it's also not reality. You know, you get a clip it, a snippet of somebody's moment or season. And some people are willing to be vulnerable and open on social media than, than others, as far as the hard shit, but you know, not everybody's going to air their dirty laundry. They're going to air the, the, like the perfect car or, and like you said, checking boxes of what, what's in, what society wants for me to have. And what I want is two different. It doesn't all look the same for everybody either. Absolutely. But kind of painting this narrative of my life's perfect or, you know, even kind of something I've been exploring with lately, um, is this whole mom culture on social media being um in the trenches of new new motherhood and mm-hmm. um momming is hard and it, and yes it is hard but it's the best hardest thing i've ever done in my life mm-hmm. and i feel like but imagine the the women in the 1800s that were you know immigrating from from the east coast to to the west coast and and having a, a wagon with all of their belongings and their entire family. like you want to talk about hard <laughs> you know yeah. i think that would be you know and not comparative suffering by any means but just the, this whole like momming is hard. like i don't know just so tra- something i've been toying with as far as my mindset and trying to um decipher what what's in alignment with myself yes there are going to be hard days but there are really great days that exuberate and and make those hard days not even you know a blip on the map (laughs) yeah yeah and and i mean being a parent is the hardest thing i think that anybody a human being does in life it is it's and i think the good news is um with social media, the the one good side of it is I think we are getting more transparent mm-hmm. about our own experiences um, of parenting and the goods, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully we're getting more transparent about it. I was actually just uh, in to get my teeth cleaned last week, and my dentist is she just had her first baby, and I think he's uh, I think he's eight months old now, her son, and. And I asked her, how, how's it going? You know, like, and like, she really, said it's, really, it, how's you know, it going? <laughs> and I, I could, I could really, yeah, yeah. I, like, like that way, like, like, mm-hmm. you know, don't sugarcoat it, you know? Right. And I could just see it on her face that she was, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's been a struggle. And, um, I just opened up with her and I just said, I feel like the first year of my son's life was the hardest year of my life. Uh, it, you know, that says a lot. And she said, thank you so much for saying that. Like she said, that means so much to me. And I said, I felt like parenting just keeps getting better and better and better. Like Mm. it just kind of is, you know, it starts out incredibly hard. And then it just, you know, for me, it just got better and better. Like, yes, it's really busy when they start walking, but it was also, I felt like it was still better and more joyful to me than the baby stage and so on and so forth. And I think the more that we can like maybe help and support each other as women. Like my dentist was just like, I could tell she just, she was so deeply moved. Like Mm -hmm. she just was like, I don't know, maybe somebody, nobody had told her, like nobody had really, you know, had really just said, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was my hardest, hardest year of my life. And it, you know, it was hard and, but you'll get through it, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's okay if it's really hard, if you, it's okay if you don't love it right now, it's okay. And it was like, she was so relieved. 
And that validation, I think is all sometimes you, you, as a, as a mom, a new mom, you need to hear is like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one who's experienced this. Or like you said, maybe I have two older half sisters. So their children were much, you know, right in that, that I was in eighth grade, I think when my young, my oldest nephew was born. So I was in that childhood phase myself almost and like, oh, yeah. this is beautiful. It's it's a baby, you know, and it, and it is, it all is, but the hard shit was not disclosed in the fine print, you know, yeah. it was not. Yeah. And I, and I think as mothers, like we're, we're kind of all over the map too. Like there are some mothers who from day one handle it really, really well. And they really do enjoy it. There are people out there for sure. And then there's others who really struggle with it and everything in between. And it's all fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever and it every, is. Everybody handles their postpartum journey differently. And yep. something you, you said uh, about your dentist and podcasting, the more powerful you are, the more you collaborate, you know, I think that's, that it takes a village and, and, thousands of years ago, we used to live in villages. Now our villages are kind of expanded and on online and in physical community and in multiple States, you know, we all don't live in the same little community that we, we grew up in. So I think that's something maybe you could share how that has been a helpful tool for you throughout these seasons of courage and, and moments of courage that you uh, you've experienced the past you know, 20, 20 years and, and, and then some, but maybe, maybe share with your, um, the season of you caregiving for your husband and and your son at the same time. I mean, I, like you said, you felt really alone, uh, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty mm-hmm. isolating time. Um, mm-hmm. do you mind maybe going into that? A little yeah, I know. Like here, here's a story that I felt deeply ashamed of. Um, and I, Podcasting kind of has been a very, it's been a very healing journey for me because I've decided to open up and be more vulnerable and be more real about things. And so I was deeply ashamed of this story that I'm going to tell you that I have started sharing with audiences on my podcast and on others like yours. So when my, when my husband was diagnosed, our son was five and I was so overwhelmed, Leslie, and so anxious that I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep. Mm. I have never experienced a level of anxiety like that. It was it was just through the roof and I didn't know what to do with it. And we as American society, we pride ourselves as being very independent, doing things on our own, not asking for help. But I had a child to raise. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why I broke down my pride and I wasn't thinking very clearly because I wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so I drove myself to the ER and I, one of my friend's husbands is an ER doctor in this, this was a small town in Oregon. I was hoping he wasn't working because I was mm-hmm. deeply ashamed, but I didn't know what else to do. And he was working that day. <laughs> of course, <laughs> but he couldn't treat me because he knew me, but he did okay. come into my room. Um, right. As I got into my room, he came in and put his hand briefly on my shoulder and said, I am so glad you're here today. Mm. He said, you, this is what you're going through is huge. And it, every human being who is faced with what you're facing is going to have a huge amount of anxiety and it's okay. 
-hmm. and we're going to get you the help that you need and you're going to be fine. And I think, I think it's awesome that you're here. And I think it's very normal that you're here. And so I did, Leslie, you know, I, I got medical help. I had to take sleeping medication for a while and, you know, traditional medicine. I know that some people are like, I, I don't like traditional medicine or I don't like alternative medicine. Guess what? I did it all. <laughs> you know, I did traditional medicine. I did alternative medicine. You know, I did therapy. I did it all. And I slowly over time and I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just slowly, slowly, you know, got better over time. And um, it takes a huge amount of courage to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell this story a lot because there have to be other people out me uh, out in the world like me maybe a completely different circumstance, but, but having the same symptoms, you know, and I'm just saying, please, like, just, if you don't know what to do, walk into an urgent care clinic or, or an ER, you know, or call your doctor, you know, I mean, I was literally at the point where I, I just felt like I couldn't even call my doctor and wait two weeks for an appointment. Like I was like, I, I, I need help right now, now. right now, you know? So, you know, and I used to be deeply ashamed of that story. And um, I don't think I need to be ashamed about that. No. Well, thank you for sharing that because I know you're not alone. And, well, you know, that does that takes tremendous amount of courage to 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 take that step to go to the to the ER or call your therapist or whatever, you know, whatever it whatever ever, anybody's circumstance might be. But to to ask for that help and sometimes. I think in our society or our culture, asking for help is also considered not... weak. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, it's not frowned upon, but it's definitely, you know, not, especially as women, I feel like sometimes we have to prove that we can do it or we can do it all as mothers or whatever, you know, we can work the full-time job and have, you know, child raise the children and child rear what I was trying to find the word <laughs> and you know tend to the household you know it's it's different than what it was when the woman you know the mom stayed home and and that's great but it is a lot of and like but the mental load is still placed on the mom I feel like in in this I think it's shifting but I think it's also um my experience going through motherhood is especially not having a, we have a wonderful community here, but we don't have family don't have here. Family. Yeah. That's and really it's hard. It's, and different. it's hard. Yeah. It's different. And yeah, I didn't have family either. So yeah, it's hard. So, um, that's what we're currently navigating and especially preparing for a soon to be second in gosh, about eight, eight weeks or so, seven weeks. And the time's ticking by, but, um, you know, it's, it's like, how do we, ask for that support and, and hopefully receive that support and be prepared to navigate that once the time comes. Cause we're going to need the help. It's yeah. It's, it's yeah. Not... And I, I look back on the caregiving years and, you know, we ended up relocating to a suburb of Seattle. My husband was the oldest of four and, you know, all of his, pretty much all of his extended family is, is just outside of Seattle where I now live. And so we relocated and they, they were amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, they were so supportive and they were so helpful. And, and yet I still, 
felt lonely and, um, and yet I was too prideful to ask for help, mm. you know? Yeah. And, you know, and so that's part of my message too. Like, please, you know, if you need help, like ask, like get, you know, there's nothing wrong in asking for help when you, no. and I think it takes a lot of courage to ask for help. It's mm -hmm. a big part of the courage thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you, Christina, for that. And I think something that I'd love, I mean, I, I have a personal story tied to Alzheimer's and I, like you said, you, you, that your, your doctor friend that put his hand on your sh shoulder saying, thank you for being here. Like you weren't expecting that. I think also mm -hmm. like something we touched on before I uh, hit record. I should have hit record a few minutes prior because I felt like we were on fire going, <laughs> getting our conversation going. But uh, courage isn't always chosen. Um, you know, sometimes you have to choose courage or step into courage uh, in a circumstance. But I think you're, you didn't expect your husband to get early onset Alzheimer's. And uh, that was not, that was not a choice of yours. That was something that you, you were forced into. So I think choosing courage versus being forced is, is two different, two different things. And I, mm -hmm. I love this, Leslie, like I, you know, I, my podcast is about courageous women and getting courageous women's voices in the world and helping women to be authentic so that they can live this, you know, an incredibly happy life and not worry about what other people think and all that. But I, I have not heard your angle before mm. and it's been an entire year. And I, I think it's incredibly beautiful, um, your angle of, Courage over comfort, number one. That is just gigantic. Like when you, you know, when you're ready, like you want to have courage, like you're motivated and you have to overcome the discomfort. That's huge. And mm -hmm. I think uh, in our society, we don't like to be uncomfortable. We will literally medicate ourselves. We will avoid, we will use busy, extreme busyness to avoid um, uncomfortable situations and personal growth. But I, but I also love, you know, this concept that you're talking about courage in two entirely different ways. And I can't believe mm -hmm. I've gone an entire year and never, you know, had someone bring up this angle of, the courage that we choose mm -hmm. versus courage that we're, is literally forced on us. Yeah. And I think they're there's, different. They're very different things. Yeah. And, and different, um, different resources and different senses of emotions that some can overlap, but I think there's a lot of different feelings with those different types of experiences. And I'm sure there's mm -hmm. more, but those are the two that I've really been personally experiencing over the past five years is, is chosen courage versus forced courage. So I love it. Um, but yeah, I think, so I guess maybe you could, exp uh, maybe go down that path a little bit. I know you started talking about moving closer to commute to family community and how are you feeling in that like when you guys, maybe you can explain, like, how did you discover? Cause my, my grandpa had Alzheimer's. So, but he was much older when he, when he, um, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and it's, and it's a hard disease. I mean, I helped caregive for him in the summers when I was home from college and we would have to go, you know, around dusk, he would start looking at his watch, getting antsy. We were in his home at the time and be like, well, I think it's time to go home. His his brain would go to his teenage years, uh, early twenties. So, oh. and he would be, 
um, Montgomery Creek is where I grew up and it was about 30 minutes away. We wouldn't drive out there, but we would get in the car, go for a little drive out in the country and then come back and he'd be fine. But almost every single night it would be, oh, it's time to go home. And he would get that antsy kind of anxious feeling. And then when we'd get back, he'd, he'd be fine. But, and, and there were other things too, but that's just one thing that I really do remember us getting in the car almost every, every evening and going for, which was nice, a nice evening drive, <laughs> but, um, that that's where his mind went. Uh, that was, that's, that's where he would, would go with his memory. So maybe, I, I don't know if you, if you don't mind sharing some, maybe just some of those experiences of how you guys discovered that, like you said, it was early onset and you weren't expecting you had a five-year-old and then yeah yeah so like he did his father on his father's side there was no alzheimer's his mother did develop alzheimer's but it it didn't become she had like very mild alzheimer's in her 70s very high functioning and then i think in her early 80s um that's when she you know had had to go into a care home and, and all that. So, I mean, I always knew that there was a 50% chance that he could, he could develop Alzheimer's, but the fact that he developed it much, much earlier than his mom or anyone else that we knew in the family, that that's where we were really blindsided because like I was, mentally prepared for him to perhaps get it when our son had grown up. Like I thought, right. okay, it, if it happens, at least our son will be grown up. It will, it'll be like less traumatic, you know? Right. And, and it, it didn't happen that way at all. And Alzheimer's such a interesting disease because everybody's situation is so different. Like the story that you just told me, um, you know, that, that didn't happen to me. Um, you know, so my husband didn't, didn't ask to, you know, we didn't drive him around in the evenings. He didn't ask to go home or anything like that. So everybody's experience is different. And I mean, I think one of the, 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 one of the hardest moments was the moment that I really realized that he had it. And, and, you know, we were really good about date nights and, um, you know, my mother said, it's really important that the two of you have time alone without your child, you know, so that you can maintain that, that connection. So we had, we, you know, I had a very close group of girlfriends that I'm still close with to this day in Oregon. And we, we had a network of babysitters, really great babysitters, you know, and they were all ages. Some of them were teenagers. Some of them were women in their fifties or sixties, you know, but they were good babysitters. So my husband and I were out on a date night. We'd do a date night at least once a week. And, um, you know, we were looking at our menus and then all of a sudden my husband just looked across the table at me and he said, did we order yet? Mm. That was the second I knew mm. I was like, he has it. Yeah. And you just knew. I knew. Yeah. Did he know? I mean, did, when, no. Did, no, no. And I think that was a big burden on me too, but I'm glad I did it. Um, I covered for him tremendously for years. So, you know, he would ask me questions once, twice, three times, four times, five times, six times. And, um, 
you know, I know a lot of people, a lot of spouses of people with Alzheimer's, um, they get really frustrated and they'll mm -hmm. yell at the person with Alzheimer's. You already asked me that three times. Mm -hmm. But in my head, I always reframed it. I said, he doesn't know that he already asked me this question for him. He's, he's asking it for the first time. And so I would just answer it. I don't know how I got that patience. I don't consider myself a particularly patient person, but somehow by the grace of God, I, it would just came naturally for me. Um, and because I understood where he was coming from. Mm -hmm. So he did not understand the extent he didn't think he there was anything wrong with him for a very long time well he kind of did like in the very beginning we did get him on medication and he took the medication and but he would forget about it you know like at nighttime you know i'd just have him take his medication and he knew that it was for his memory and you know those medications even to this day well back then they didn't even know if they worked at all like right. it's so hard and that's 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 one of the biggest issues with um Alzheimer's medication is it's so hard to measure how effective it is because everybody progresses at different rates. So there's just so it's so difficult to measure. But I truly believe that by the time my son is a senior, if he does develop it, I believe that they will have a drug that blocks it from developing. That's mm. what I, I truly believe that. Yeah. Well, I think you touched on on a point that is very important to, to take into consideration is everybody's experience is different with this disease and it's kind of a newer disease, right? Or they're still yes. in the early because people are living lo so much longer. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, you know, a generation or two ago, people were dying a lot younger. In the middle of all this, uh, my husband actually was diagnosed with prostate cancer oh, wow. and, um, he, he he was blessed in that he never remembered mm -hmm. but i would i would have a discussion with him cuz we had to i did research whether we were going to do radiation or or uh, take his have his prostate removed altogether where then they just reconnect all the tubes you know and mm -hmm. you just don't have a prostate and um you know he he wanted to have it removed and i i would explain it and and my father actually had the same procedure done he had it done um, let's see about 30 years ago. And that was, that was cutting edge technology 30 years ago to have your prostate removed. And this past Sunday, um, I had a 90th birthday party for my father at my house. Oh, that's special. so, so I, I also was pro let's just take out the prostate so that, you know, it, because if, if you radiate, um, and it comes back, they can't remove the prostate. And then it's, it's a very uncomfortable way to go. And so, you know, but, but, you know, think about it, like 30, 40, 50 years ago, he would have died from prostate cancer, right? Like, so it would have been a much less long journey and um, people are living so much older. So this is becoming more and more and more common. Mm -hmm. And more awareness around it, I feel yep. like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, something you touched on was patience. And I think, do you, it's kind of just having a five-year-old son and, and this was a long journey. You, I think you said 12 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think patience and I can relate because um, 
not that my mom, um, which is my grandpa's daughter, she she's in her se- late seventies and she forgets things, or you know, and so I, not that she has Alzheimer's yet. She's she's gone to yeah. doctors and done the tests, but like, yeah. she's like, oh, I just forget. I write it down, you know. So even just it, it mirrors, I guess, motherhood and and in your role, it was a spouse or a caregiver, but you know, it's you you know in your raising children, you, you have to have a lot of patience too. So you do. maybe, maybe that's maybe shed a little bit of light as far as your patience and, and bless you for having such great patience with your husband and, and understanding. I think once I understand what development phase my son is in, I'm like, okay, I understand why he's asking that or wanting that. So I think, I don't know, I just, I I'm a why person. So if I have a why behind it, and then I think that sounds like kind of how you approached it with your husband. Like, I know why he's asking these questions or I know why this is reoccurring. Um, maybe touch on that as far as, yeah. did you see any parallels through this disease with your, your patients for your son and for your husband or was there? That's any- such a great question. I have not been asked that. Um, I finally spit it out. I, I was think, to get I my think, I think that, yeah, you're talking about, you know, the relationship between raising my child versus, you know, caring for my husband and, and was, I, I, you know, I think the answer is, wow, this is such a, a new thought for me. So when my son was a year old, this part is not a new thought, but I'm going to share it with you because you're a new mom. And now you're going to be the a new mom again for the second time for second child. When my son was around one, I remember being at church and, and, you know, I had, I had quite a few older women friends too. Like, yes, I had a core group of mom friends, which I just highly recommend to have close friendships with people who have kids the same age as you, because you're all going through it together at the same time. But, um, I, I, I said, I'm really frustrated because my son was one, he was walking and, I said, I'm really, it's just so hard. He just wants to get into the pantry and like dump everything on the floor. Right. And she gave me the absolute best advice for kind of that toddler phase, which I have, I try to share it on every parenting podcast that I'm interviewed on it. She said, just remember that he is, your son is a scientist and an explorer, And if you always remind yourself that he's a scientist and he's an explorer, you won't be angry because he's not doing this out of maliciousness. He's not trying to say, I'm trying to make my mom's life difficult. He just wants to know what happens is if he grabs that container of flour and dumps it upside down, what is going to happen? He doesn't know what's going to happen. He wants to find out. And sometimes you need to just let them explore, just follow him around, let him do it. So, and then once he knows the answer, he'll stop doing that annoying thing. Cause I'd been just kind of trying to keep him away from the pantry. So I went home, (laughs) opened the pantry door (laughs) and, you know, he proceeded to literally dump flour all over the floor and sugar and, you know, everything he, I let him do whatever he wanted and um he loved it he had a lot of fun and i had to clean it up he was too little to clean it up but he never did it again right you know and and so you know i think i think we can get caught up as parents in this concept that you know our children are are like they're malicious evil little creatures (laughs) who are just making (laughs) our lives difficult 
but this this woman telling me that he was just a scientist and an explorer made me realize that that that's all he is. He's a scientist mm-hmm. and an explorer. It is what it is. Sometimes that's going to be difficult for me on my end, but it gave me this incredible amount of patience. And maybe that's what really prepped me mm. for the patience that was developed with my husband. Yeah. They're curious. They just want, like you said, I love that. Thank you. I wrote that down because I'm going to need to remind myself that when, you know, it's funny because we didn't actually put our our, you know, we read a lot about, oh, putting your Christmas tree off limits. You know, we just got done with December. Now we're in January, but we just put the the breakable ornaments on the top and he didn't want any, he really didn't want anything to do with the Christmas tree. He, mm-hmm. he would take some of the ornaments off and, and, and take them into the other room and drop them. And, but he really wasn't that enamored with the tree. So I found that very fascinating and kind of what you just shared, but the the kitty roca that's in the laundry room behind the baby gate that he's not supposed oh. to <laughs> you know and he's not that, supposed to get in he but... actually they can get toxoplasmosis from yes. cat feces so that's actually one area that yeah you can't allow that's, him to right. explore that but, and yeah. that because that's off limits you know yeah. that has a yeah. baby gate so yeah. anyways um that's an interesting correlation to what you just ex- expressed you know is they yeah. are exploring. And um, if I am in there to do laundry, I let him come in there with me monitored. But and again, luckily our cats like to go outside anyway. So it's not good. <laughs> those are just backup options. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyways, but yeah, no, that's such great advice. And I think, yeah, I think Alzheimer's is um, actually some Kathy Heller mentioned on one of our calls, how lucky people with Alzheimer's are because they just are in the present moment, you know, and I thought they that are. was such a beautiful way. My husband <laughs> overall, like, the, yes, sometimes he did have his, his moments. And interestingly enough, just some things were random. Like I tried bringing caregivers into my home because he was wandering at night when I was, mm-hmm. asleep, and me and my son were asleep and that was dangerous. And he got combative with mm. caregivers. So like he, he was like, a stranger is in my home. So he got combative, you know, with, with them And ultimately, so I couldn't have caregivers and ultimately he fell, blacked out, was unconscious, had to go to the hospital. And the doctor said, he has to go to a care home now. Like Mm. you can't do this anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, but, but overall, yes, you know, I, he was happy Mm -hmm. because he was living in the present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that probably was instinct of somebody's in my home. It's the middle of the night. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. So, yep. But I get it. I, my my grandpa had to eventually go into a home when he he kept falling. So he wasn't able, my, you know, my mom and her sisters weren't able to be. Yeah. They, they ro- can't be they around. You can't be around can't 24 be hours. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Well, that is just such a beautiful like you said, you're 56 and you said, I can, I can, or, you know, the, the society narratives of everything that you've been through, I'm sure you felt all kinds of emotions between, you know, losing your late husband, but, but starting a new, not a new life, but just not letting it a new chapter, a new chapter and just not letting it weigh you down. You know, some some people take these, sorry for interjecting. Um, some people take these circumstances in life and they let them, you know, they, they let it take the driver's seat down a very dark path. 
And, but I've talked to so many women through courageous moments and, and had, have had interviews where they turn it, they make the best of it, you know, and it's just, and look at the beautiful life and the beautiful experiences that they had after the hard, you know, or, yeah. Or, yeah. So I just love yeah. everything that. And that's, and, that's and, really, that's really my message, Leslie, like, like to, in society's eyes, I, I was pretty much a nobody. I was, I was a stay-at-home mom. I was a caregiver to my husband. I managed some finances and I, you know, that was my life. And when I started my podcast, I was a nobody really mm -hmm. like, you know, who was I? Nothing. I was like a 54 year old woman. I'm tech. I'm actually 55 now. So, um, you know, but my message is, Hey, like if I can start from nothing, mm -hmm. you know, and not being anybody in society's eyes and to be where I'm at today, a year later, if I can do it, you can do it too. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a beautiful message. And I think, who's society to say? Cause like you said, you asked your five closest family members and friends, like you are someone and you're an amazing someone because you're authentically you. And I think that in itself that we didn't even touch on today, but um, that takes a lot of courage too, because uh, you are who you are and you're not afraid to be that to, you're not ashamed of it. You're not trying to belong. You're not trying to fit a mold. You're, you're just authentically showing up as yourself. And that's such a beautiful 100%. thing. And yeah. we need, we need more of that. And I, I'm great. I'm grateful for you. And I'm grateful that our paths have crossed and yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I have enjoyed speaking with you too, Leslie, and I love the path that you're, you're on. I'm super excited for you. I cannot wait to see what's going on with you a year from now. Oh, thank you. I know it's crazy to, to believe, you know, doing the, the new year reflection and like, okay, a year ago we were here and yeah, and, and I think I said that actually in my first interview there, if you would have told me a year ago, I would be starting a podcast and yes, the new year, too. I'd be like, what? No, like, you're, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're crazy. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, here I am doing it and I, I appreciate all the support I've received from, from friends and, and my husband and, and it's, and yeah, like you said, to just encourage other women and, and to be the light. And I think it's such a beautiful thing, what you're doing as well. And, and now you're coaching people to have their own podcast. And, and yeah, so. yeah. In fact, I just wanted to interject. I, I do have a free Facebook group. It's new. Oh, awesome. I already have over 400 people in it. Oh my gosh. Um, it's, it's really a safe space for, for new, well, podcasters really in any phase where we can all, um, you do have to request permission to, to get into it, but it's free and it, you know, we can all post things about like how to help each other, you know, Hey, I learned this, Hey, that, you know, just a very supportive environment. And, um, you can find it at www.facebook slash group slash podcast mastery journey, all one word, or you could just kind of look up podcast mastery journey on Facebook and you'll, you'll find it. And, um, yeah, awesome. I am just all about the collaboration for sure. That's fantastic. And I, yeah. I will, I'll be sure to include that in the show notes as well. And I think you're kind of taking that full circle, what we talked about earlier, it takes a village. I think you're kind of bringing that to the podcasting light of it takes a village and collaboration is, is collaboration makes, is key. Yeah, it is key. Absolutely. Well, hindsight 2020, looking back on 
on several moments and seasons of courage that you've endured over the years, what would you tell your old self knowing what you know now? Oh, such a great question. I mean, number one, I think we always feel when we're in the midst of a crisis, like it, it, it just feels like it's never going to end mm-hmm. and that things aren't going to change, but they always do. They always will get better no matter what, like it will always, you will get through it. And, um, like worry is, is essentially negative prayer. And I worry a lot less now. I think, I think as you get older, you learn to to worry less. And I think you realize that it's just a wasted emotion. Um, and it, it, you will still worry, but you basically catch yourself a lot more easily and say, you know, I'm, I, I can't really control the outcome of that thing. So I, I am just gonna, you know, I'm going to turn it over to God and, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm going to be okay with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I wish I would have worried less. Yeah. Well, yeah. it just causes gray hairs, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you have no control. Uh, hey, why do you think my hair day, is platinum blonde? Hey, you look, you look fantastic. <laughs> it's, you look it's, fantastic. A, it's a disguise. <laughs> well, that's why I, I got these, these bangs recently. I'm like, oh, I that, that, hide, that hides a couple gray hairs. So we're I good. <laughs> like the bangs. I, I, I have had bangs off and on over the years too. Yeah. They're hit or miss. For me. I'm, I'm sure I'll be over it by summer, but it I was, know it's it like, was... I get them and then I'm like, Oh, why did I do this? <laughs> yeah. Luckily it grows back for the most part. Yeah. Well, Christina, before we hop off here, I'd love for you to be uh share with our listeners where they would be able to find you, connect with you, reach out to you. I know you mentioned sure. the, the podcasting uh, Facebook yeah. group, but any other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just again, I'm going to say my, my, the name of my podcast is She's Brave with Christina Driscoll. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and about 10 other places. Uh, love to have you check me out. Um, I have, uh, my Instagram is at She's Brave Podcast. And um, I mentioned my Facebook group. It's private, but, you know, pretty much everybody gets in. And then, so, and um also, I have an upcoming second class of teaching people how to get into the top two and a half percent globally within six months. I believe there are three keys that I did that I was never taught in any podcasting class that I took. I took a few and nobody went over these things with me. So I want to get more women podcasters out in the world. I want to see them be successful. Um I don't think that with podcasting world is even close to being saturated. I think people like you need, you know, we need your message today, what you are doing, courage over comfort. That's, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. We need you. So, you know, I, I have a podcasting class starting February 15th. I have an early bird special going on for $111 for 10 weeks. Wow. And a bonus, um, whenever this airs, you have 48 hours to get the bonus. And the bonus is either one, I come on your podcast. Well, I've already come on yours. So, or a one hour private personal coaching session on how to get your podcast to the top two and a half percent if you sign up for my class. Awesome. Well, I'm so, definitely yeah. going to look into that and join yeah. the Facebook group. And yeah, it's fun. Thank you for sharing uh, with everybody else as well. I, I look forward to to launching this and, and getting this out there and sharing. I cannot wait to see where you go, Leslie. Oh, this thank is, you. This is great. This was fun. Thank you so much, Christine. I appreciate you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Leslie. 
Thank you for joining me and listening to the Kindred Journey podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please consider taking the time to rate and review the podcast and share this episode with family and friends who you think might enjoy it. Your positive feedback helps me reach more courageous women like you. This is my passion project, so without you, I wouldn't be here doing this, and I deeply appreciate your support. Until next time.